God. You know, we've been talking about the spoken word for a few weeks now, four, five, or four, five or six weeks. I'm not sure which one it is right now, but I think it's the sixth week we've been on this, the spoken word. I heard somebody say uh, some time ago, a couple of years ago, actually, and I, I'll never forget this statement. It was God breathed. And uh, they said this, God spoke that it might be written, and it was written that it might be spoken. Amen. I'll say that again. God spoke that it might be written. It was written that it might be spoken through us. And there's a circle. See, the Jewish people thought in terms of circles. It came from heaven to the earth, then back up to heaven. You know, the Bible talks about the sent word. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Amen. It's the sent word out of our mouth that will bring deliverance and protection and healing and preservation. Praise the Lord. We're talking about the the sent word, the spoken word of God. Now we see in Genesis chapter 2, real quickly here in review, says, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Okay? We've discussed how that the Hebrews, the Hebrew uh, chamash, humash, however you want to say that, literally brought out the fact that uh, I'll get that right one of these weeks. Amen. I know it's the Hebrew translation of the Old Testament. Amen. That's what I know. Praise God. And it literally means this in the Hebrew, this Genesis 2 verse 7, that when God breathed into, uh, God formed his body out of the dust of the ground, there was no life in it. You know, it was just a, just a statue. Praise God. Thank God they couldn't pull that one down. Amen. Amen. Did you hear about the new statue in America now? It's a big pacifier. Anyway, they want that one. A lot of people want that one. Praise the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. Bless people's hearts. Praise God. Where was I? What was I talking about? God formed man, and he was just a a lifeless pile of clay is all that he was. But then God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He became a living soul, the Bible says there. But actually it means this. Man became another speaking spirit just like God himself. Man became another speaking spirit. See, God, God uh, we saw in the book of Genesis chapter 1 where you have this story of creation where God created everything. And the, 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 the mode of operation, how God did this was he spoke it and then he saw it. God said, then he saw In fact, eight times in the book of Genesis. So he didn't snap his fingers, he didn't wink his eye, but he created everything that exists today by the spoken word. Let there be light, and there was light. And then it says, and what God saw the light, it was good. Everything God creates is good, right? And guess what? He created you. And you're good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. but man became another li- a living speaking spirit just like God himself. Now God, uh, I wrote down here that God didn't just give us a language so that we could just communicate with one another. That's important. Okay? That's important. But I think even on a higher level, God gave us the ability to choose words so that we could create the future that we want to see in our lives. Amen? Our words will create an environment for either health or sickness to be in our lives. The Bible says death and life in Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
death and life. They're not in the power of God or the devil. They're in the power of the tongue. Praise God. So, if we want to see uh, good days and healthy days and strong days, we need to start talking health. Amen. Oh, you're one of those. That's right. We're one of those. Amen. We believe what the Bible says. Amen. Um, turn over, Josh, turn over to 2 Corinthians 4.13 for a minute. I know this scripture isn't in my notes, but I feel led to go to it right now. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. Praise the Lord. Notice the Apostle Paul says here, we having, say having. having. No, we're not trying to get. He says, we having the same, notice this, spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. Did you notice that we always speak what we believe? So we need to make sure that our thinking is correct before we're able to speak. If our thinking's not correct, then our words won't be correct, okay? And God gave us words to not just be able to communicate with one another. That is very important, amen? In fact, the words that we choose to communicate with one another are very important. Your tone, how you say something, amen? You know, your phone rings. There's different ways you can say hello. You can say, hello, or you can say, hello. Which one do you like better? First one, okay? I said the same thing, but it was the tone in which it was said. And your tone and how you say something is very important. Amen. Now, I learned this a lot through even being on the phone sometimes and you're talking to like a, a company or something, you have to trying to troubleshoot a situation maybe or whatever. You're, try, you're, you're trying to get through something, you know. And uh, sometimes you have to wait a long time, you know. And I've, I've noticed this, that when I have to, to take care of some business sometimes on the phone, that I noticed that uh, if, you, if you use the right words to talk to the people and not get angry at them and not have a sharp tone, so to speak, it'll, it'll help you and give you a favor in that situation. And so the Lord directed me, you know, not, not, not you know, I didn't hear him, be just inside, an impression in my heart. And when people would, when I would call somebody, I'd say like this, I'd say, hey, thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it, you know. And it was like, it would almost shock them, you know. But I noticed that when I do that, I have great favor. And it may be in the situation where they're actually wrong. Oh, okay. Maybe there's a mistake on a bill or something like that or whatever, you know. And you need favor. And I noticed that when I approached, because the Bible says that, Sweet words. The Bible talks about sweet words. Amen. And if you want to go anywhere in life, you've got to have sweet words. How many of you know that? How you, how you use your words. The Bible says we're to speak the truth in what? In love. Speak the truth in love. Paul said that by the Holy Ghost. He says, speak the truth in Ephesians. Speak the truth in love. Now, a lot of times we can speak the truth. I've done it myself. We can speak the truth, but there's no love with it. <laughs> and it's like a sword, right? But we can speak the truth in the love of God, and it, it will make it so much better if you choose those kind of words, and the, the spirit behind those words can, can soften a person's heart. It can make the conversation go a whole lot better. Amen? Never go at somebody pointing the finger, blazing both guns, so to speak, at them. You know what I mean? But go in a spirit of humility. Go in a spirit of love. I don't even know why I'm saying that, but I'm saying it anyway. Amen? But go in a spirit of humility, go in a spirit of love, and always, 
always putting yourself, well, I could be wrong. You know what I mean? I could be wrong. <laughs> Even though I'm not, I could be wrong. No, I'm just kidding. But in Genesis chapter 2, verse, verse 7, that God made man another speaking spirit just like himself. All right. Uh, let me see here. Kenneth Hagin. Anybody heard of Kenneth Hagin before? Okay. Here's a, here's a statement he made here verbatim. Okay, I read this last week. This is out of one of his books. And he said this. It is always possible to tell if a person is believing right by what he says. If his confession is wrong, his believing is wrong. If his believing is wrong, his thinking is wrong. If his thinking is wrong, it is because his mind has not been renewed with the Word of God. All three, believing, thinking, saying, go together. God has given us His Word to get our thinking straightened out. We can think in line with God's Word. Isn't that wonderful? Now last week, uh, just review quickly here, we uh, took the word, for example, the word confession. Confession. Now, depending on your background, your religious background, how you grew up, for the most part, when you think of confession, it's usually a what? A confession of sin. Okay? Now, my wife grew up Roman Catholic. Okay? She, she felt the call of God on her life when she was really young. And the only way she could translate that was to be a nun. But I said, we'll have none of that. <laughs> but see, she translated that. You know, and I was the same way with different areas of my life, religious. But you see, most people, when they think of the word confession, they think of a confession of sin. Now, the Bible does say in 1 John 1, 9 to the believer that if we sin and we miss the mark, which we all do sometimes, that doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It just means you mar your fellowship with God. Okay? Uh, he says the way back into fellowship is confessing, Lord, I, I missed it there. And I, I do this all the time. I'm telling you what, if, I've, if I said something wrong, I said something I shouldn't have said or whatever, I say, oh, God, please forgive me, forgive me. Have mercy on me right now in Jesus' name. And I mean, there's no condemnation. And the blood of Jesus comes in there and washes you and cleanses you. Amen? Now, there is this, there, there's the confession of the believer's sin in 1 John 1, 9. But yet, the word confession is used throughout the uh, New Testament uh, on a positive end more so than the negative end. Matter of fact, 1 John 1 9 is not a negative thing. It's like, you know, if you've got sin, you want to get rid of it, right? That's positive, right? Uh, but let's go real quickly to uh, Hebrews chapter 4 once again. Hebrews chapter 4. Oh, I've got some good things here today. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I love this subject. I'm telling you, this is like a three-course meal for me. Amen? Praise God. Because I know how much it changed my life and continues to change my life today. But in Hebrews 4, 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our what? Now, the word profession, it means confession. Okay? To say the same thing. As God says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So notice this phrase uh, here in verse 14 that we are to hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Now, why is it important to hold fast to the confession of your faith without wavering? Because you will be tempted. I will be tempted. We, that's not a negative confession. But you will be tempted to throw away a good confession because it will appear 
that what you're praying for isn't happening. Sometimes when you're praying for something or somebody, it looks like it got worse. You all ever been there before? Because you'll get, you'll get in news or something will happen. You're like, whoa, I just prayed for that. It looks worse. Don't be moved by that. Okay? Do not be moved by what you see or feel. Don't do that. Okay? If the enemy can get you in the sense realm, he'll have you defeated every time. But if you keep him in the area in the arena of faith, you'll whip him every single time. Because faith is not moved by what it sees. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. So we have this great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Hold fast our confession. Now, Jesus Christ is a high priest. And a high priest takes what we give him and then takes it to the Father. So, in other words... When we speak words of faith from God's word and we speak it, Jesus takes those words, takes them to the Father to ensure that they will come to pass in your life. Isn't that wonderful? Now go to Hebrews chapter 10 real quick here. We've got to move a little quick here this morning. But in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19, the scripture says here again, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the what? The blood of Jesus. Boy, I'll tell you, you go right into the very throne room of God. How? Boldly. By the what? The blood of Jesus. I tell you what, every one of us here in this room, when you pray, you ought to pray boldly. Not timidly. Not fearful. Sometimes you just want to slap somebody. You won't do it, but you say, pray boldly. (laughs) Quit praying like a wimp. Pray with some conviction behind you. Pray with some boldness. Glory to God. Not like you're begging God. Pray with some conviction and pray with boldness. You can make yourself do that. Well, pastor, that sounds to me like a put on. Well, the Bible says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and give no occasion to the flesh. Amen. So you, you can put on boldness. Act like you were bold if you were. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Having boldness to enter into the holies by the blood of Jesus. Now, verse 21 says, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Now, here it is again in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession or profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another and provoke one another to love and to good works. Isn't that wonderful? So again, we see this phrase, hold fast, hang on to the confession of your faith. And I made mention of the fact we kicked over this big old fat sacred cow from the beginning of this series that one of the greatest lies the devil has put out there for people is that your words don't make any difference in your life, whether you have good or have bad or sickness or disease or health. Your words don't mean anything. You can say whatever you want, has no... And there are Christians that believe that. But the fact is... What about all the other scriptures in the Bible? The death and life and the power of the tongue. Amen. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Amen. There's so many scriptures, especially in the book of Proverbs, about words and how they produce. Amen. What's that scripture in Jeremiah? It says, I I, I produce the fruit of the lips. How's that go? Okay, where is that, Jeremiah? Is that Jeremiah? Like yeah. Bring up Isaiah fifty-seven, eleven, if that's it. Let's see the. Isaiah 
thought it was Jeremiah. I don't know. Somebody could look it up. Peace, peace. Amen. God says, I create the fruit of the lips. We'll get back to that in a second, okay? I think it would be really pertinent right now. But see, the, the, the greatest lie that the devil has thrown to people is that your words don't make any difference at all. Oh, there we go. 19. The Lord says, I create the fruit of the lips. Notice that. Peace, peace to him that is afar off, to him that is near, saith the Lord. I will heal him. But notice the Lord says, I create the fruit of the lips. In other words, what do we want to see happen in our lives? What do we want to see take place in our lives? He says, I will create the fruit of the lips. Thank you, Lord. So that means we want to use, we want to carefully use our words to work for us and not against us. Okay? Now this is very elementary, my dear, <laughs> from the scripture. But so many people overlook this. They think they can say whatever they want and not have any consequences to it. Okay? But we have to learn to speak uh, what the Word of God says so we, we can receive. Like, for example, I, I quote, I pray the Scriptures all the time. I pray that I speak them out loud. But, you know, in, in Psalm chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, it says that God will compass us about with favor as if a shield. He will give us favor like a shield. So I'll take, based on that scripture, I'll say, Father, I want to thank you today that I have divine favor with every human being I come in contact with. I haven't even seen any, I mean, I haven't even seen the dog yet. You know what I'm saying? Then I get up and I'll say, Father, I thank you today that I have divine favor. According to uh, Psalm 5, 11 and 12, I have divine favor that it will encompass me like a shield every single where I go. Glory to God. So what am I doing? I'm putting those words out there to pave the way so that when I need favor, I'll begin to walk in it. And it, hap it happens all the time to me. If I need favor for a close parking spot, it happens. Okay? Amen. And I, I recognize, I say, that's the favor of God right there. Amen. It really is. Amen? But notice that scripture, he says, I create the fruit of the lips. Okay? So we want our lips to be able to communicate Put them out there so that we can receive exactly what we want. Amen. Now, um, we saw in, uh, let's see here. Let's go to Mark chapter 11 again. Mark chapter 11. Um, when you talk about the power of words and the spoken word, you, you could never pass up Mark chapter 11 because that's the, I believe that's the heartbeat of confession and speaking words and how they're, they're going to work for us. Praise the Lord. Are you ready for this? <laughs> we studied this scripture so much that when I was at Bible school, you could hold your Bible up and drop in it. And it would open up Mark chapter 11 because we spent all of our time in Mark chapter 11. Praise the Lord. And because um, that's what Jesus told Brother Hagin. He said, go teach my people faith. He said that God gave him, Jesus appeared to him, gave him a commission to go teach my people faith. And it's based out of Mark chapter 11. That's how he got healed of an incurable disease, two incurable diseases. He was healed supernaturally by the power of God by standing on Mark chapter 11. Amen. 
So with that in mind, look at verse 11. It says, And Jesus entered into the Jerusalem, into the temple, and when He had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, He went out of Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow they were come from Bethany. Jesus was hungry. And we see His humanity right here. And verse 13, And seeing the fig tree afar off having leaves, He cameth happily He might find anything thereon. But when, the, when, it, when He came to it, He found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet. Now we brought out the fact last week that there was different types, and still to this day in Jerusalem there's different types of fig trees. And Jesus was not deceived by the fig tree. He created the fig tree. <laughs> okay. But this particular tree at this time of the year, when it had leaves, it sh the fruit would appear with the leaves. It would grow at the same time. Jesus wasn't deceived by this tree. And so he, I mean, he's all happy. He's thinking he's going to find some uh, figs here. And and so, verse 13, And seeing the fig tree afar of having leaves, he, ha he came happily that he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. You might say this was a hypocrite tree. Because <laughs> the tree said, I've got fruit. But there were no fruit. There were just leaves. Just a thought. And he said in verse 14, And Jesus answered and said unto it, Unto what? Now did the tree ask him a question? He said, Jesus answered. Now, if I went up to you and I said, what did you say? You'd say, I didn't say anything. Right? What are you talking about? I didn't. What did you say? She didn't say anything. Right? Things have a voice. Not just people. Things have a voice. Your bank account has a voice. Your body has a voice. Amen? Your circumstances have a voice. Jesus talked back to a tree. <laughs> now, you know as well as I do, the disciples probably thought he's been out in the sun, the, 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 the Jerusalem sun, far too long. Now he's talking to trees. Let's pull men out of the sun and put them in the shade for a while. They're probably thinking that. But notice it says, verse 14, Jesus answered and said, No man will eat fruit of thee hereafter, and his disciples heard it. Now, Jesus said nine words, No man shall eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Say nine words. In nine words. He didn't say a bunch of, whew, you know what I'm saying? Just nine words. No man will eat fruit of thee hereafter. And his disciples heard it. So, evidently it didn't look like anything happened. Until you go down to verse 19, Mark 11, verse 19. And when evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, this is the next day, they saw the, trig, the fig tree dried up from the what? From the roots. Hmm. That's interesting. And Peter, calling remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. Okay? I brought out the fact last week that Jesus wasn't cussing the fig tree. He didn't use the, some four-letter word on the tree. <laughs> okay? He cursed. Now, the, the definition of the word curse means to speak negative over. You're not going to amount to anything. That's a, that's a curse word. You know? Jesus, Peter said, whoa. He said, the fig tree that you cursed yesterday is withered from the roots. Say the roots. the roots. 
Now, for most trees and most things that are out there, you do not see the roots for the most part, right? Roots are underground, okay? But when Jesus spoke over the tree, now there's some things you need to curse, there's other things you need to bless, okay? But it's all done with the mouth. Cursing and blessing is done with the mouth. You can bless yourself. You can lay your hands on yourself and say, I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's not, not just because someone sneezed. Bless you. Okay. It's got to be bigger than that. It's an empowerment. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. God has empowered us to bless everything we put our hand to. I mean to tell you, your businesses, everything that you're involved with, your family, your children, your body, your finances, every single area of your life. God has given you the authority in your life because no one has authority in your life like you do. You realize that, don't you? You have God-given authority in your house that no one else has. I have authority over my children in my house because they're my kids that no one else has. Okay? That's a good thing, isn't it? Jesus cursed the fig tree, said nine words, no man will eat fruit of the hereafter, and his disciples heard it. So he wasn't over there. What did he say? They heard everything he said. No man will eat fruit of the hereafter again. They were probably bewildered by that. I know that they were. They're human. But the next day, say the next day, day. Jesus said, or Peter said, he was beside himself, look at that tree. It's withered up from the roots. Jesus wasn't shocked by it. He didn't say, wow, that really did work, didn't it? He didn't say that. (laughs) Jesus released words, and those words affected the tree, but it got to the root first, and then it killed the fruit, the leaves. Okay? Now, I used to do tree work, you know, uh, back in the day, you know, when I first went to Bible school, came out of Bible school, and I was working for an arborist. And uh, we would cut trees down, drag them off, put them in the shredder and all that kind of stuff, you know, like you see nowadays, you know. And, but I noticed this, that when you first cut off a branch of a tree, it still looks exactly the same. There would be times where we'd have a two or three day job and we would have to, we have to come back the next day and then shred up what was left there on the ground, you know. And uh, when you first cut off the branches, there's all these green leaves and beautiful whatever's on those, whatever tree that was. But I noticed this, the next day I would show up and all the leaves are withered. But when you first cut it off, it didn't look, it looked like it was still alive. Okay? But see, when you blow a, uh, something, you put the axe to the root, as we use that phrase, the axe to the root, with your words, you just killed that thing. Amen? Amen? When you say to a tumor or cancer or something like that, I curse you, I command you to die and wither in Jesus' name. And you release that. Guess what? Your words just killed that thing. Your words just killed it. Amen? Here's something else. David killed Goliath with his words before he did with a slingshot. (laughs) He threw his words out there first. He says, I'm going to take your head off today. I'm going to feed your carcass. I mean, he's talking trash to him. He says, I'm going to take your head off today. Man. Right? He needed to. He's an uncircumcised Philistine that was defying the armies of the living God. He didn't have a covenant with God. He said, this day. He said five times, I think. He says, I will do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then he went out and he did it. 
So your words will slay those giants before you. We're going to see that here today. But see, Jesus cursed the fig tree. Now, he didn't stop there and say, now look, as an object lesson. He said, now look, this is only for deity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Don't try this at home. It's dangerous, like you see on the commercials. <laughs> look at what happened right here. Verse 21, Peter called, remember, saith unto him, Master, can you imagine that? Behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. They're shocked. They're in amazement. But notice verse 22, Jesus answered and saith unto them, all of them, have faith in God. Say that. Have faith in God. And I can't tell you, those are the most powerful words that we can remember all the time. There have been so many times where I've been in situations that looked, oh God, how's this going to take place? How's this going to happen, you know? And I kept hearing inside me, not with these ears, but inside me, I kept hearing, have faith in God. Don't try to figure it out with your little peanut-sized brain, so to speak, you know what I mean, compared to God, you know. But to realize that if we have faith in God, He's able to take care of us. He's able to sustain us. He's able to give us what we need. Amen. Have faith in God. Now here's, here's the, where he gets into the meat of this right here. For verily I say in verse 23, For verily I say unto you, Whosoever, are you a whosoever? Yes. Okay. Whosoever, so that means anybody can do this, shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, notice this, when you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now say this after me, I believe, I I receive. I I believe, I receive. Okay, now that's the most powerful faith-filled words that you can actually say when it comes to believing God and His Word. He said you have to believe you've got it before you see it. Okay? Because we think that seeing is believing. No, God says believing is seeing. We have to believe we've got it. I believe, I receive. Now anytime, I know myself better than anybody else, but anytime I've ever received physical healing for myself, I had to believe I've got it before I get it, before I see it. Anytime I had a belief for financial miracles or increase, I had to believe I got it first before I could see it with my physical eyes. Okay? So you settle the issue in your heart. How many of you can say, I believe I receive? Anybody can? Okay, that's not hard to say that. Get used to saying that every day. I believe I receive divine health today. God's best isn't that you're sick and then you get healed. That's not God's best. That's good. But God's best is that you be in health, 3 John 2. He wants you to, your soul to prosper. He wants you to be in health, prosper, even to the degree that your soul prospers. Hallelujah. Everybody smile. Amen. Smile big. Hallelujah. Because when, when you believe... You can be happy. Amen. Amen. Too many, there are too many serious believers like, oh, I'm believing God. You know, 
We need to wipe that look off our face sometimes. We need to put some joy in our face. Just like our sister Ray. Man, what a smile she has. Praise the Lord. You know, put a smile on our face and just say, hallelujah. Because <laughs> when we believe, we're happy. I've, I've had the Holy Spirit tell me at times, and I wasn't happy. I was glad he told me. He said, he said Keith, you're not acting like you just received. Didn't you just pray and ask for something? I said, yeah. He said, you know. He said, why aren't you happy then? I get it. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Do you know we can have joy in Pittsburgh? There's a lot of depressed people in Pittsburgh. Oh. But that's not us. We might be in the town, but we're not of the town. Amen? Praise the Lord. We can be happy, happy, happy. Glory to God. Was that the guy from Duck Dynasty that said that? Happy, happy, happy or something. The guy with the beard. Is that, is that who said that? Cy? Is that his name? One of those guys. I don't know. <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> happy, happy, happy. Didn't they say that? Did one of those guys say yeah. that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. We'll edit this part out on the sermon today. <laughs> Pastor got to preaching on Duck Dynasty today. Amen. Actually, it's a pretty good program. Amen. Those guys love God. <laughs> they, they're not ashamed of the gospel. I can tell you that right now. That whole family's anointed of God. Beard and all. Amen. But Jesus said, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Notice this, and you shall have them. So I've started to do that through the years. I said, I believe I receive today. If I need wisdom, I say, Father, I need wisdom for this situation. I believe I receive your wisdom right now in Jesus' name. Now, at that split second, I can't see anything different. I don't, I don't, I don't have the answer per se. But I know in my spirit it's in there. Amen? The scripture says your spirit knows all things. It says you, know, it says you have an unction from the Holy One. You know all things. Your spirit knows all things because the Holy Ghost is on the inside. So the Holy Spirit's job is to take what's in our spirit and to bring it up to our thinking so that we can, oh, yeah, I see it. I get it. Amen. That's why so often when you pray in tongues, which is the most powerful language in the earth today, when you pray in the spirit and you pray in other tongues, your spirit man is active. Well, the devil hates tongues. Thank God. I would too if I was the devil. <laughs> because it's the most powerful language that there is. It's the God language that's in the earth. And when you're praying in tongues, God can bring up illumination out of your spirit of something you need to know in the natural. And it's, 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 ama it's an amazing thing. The Bible says that wisdom is in the heart of a man like deep waters. But a man of understanding will draw it up. Bring the bucket down like a well and just bring it up. And the Holy Spirit will do that. When you're praying in the Spirit and you're praying in other tongues, some of the, some of the inventions, for example, of, our, of the uh, 20th century, some of the major inventions came out of uh, some people that were believers. I don't have the, all the information in front of me right now, but Brother Hagin talked about these people that would be praying in the Spirit and said so they knew there was something there and they began to pray in tongues, pray in the Spirit. And all of a sudden they began to picture some things and, and before you know it, it became an invention that blessed humanity even to this present hour as a result of praying in other tongues. Think about that. 
Why? Because we're tapping into the wisdom of God. Okay, so uh, notice how Jesus said, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Speak to the mountains in your life. Don't put up with them. Okay? Don't, there's, there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of Christian songs that are, that are just not scriptural whatsoever. I mean, they sound pretty, they sound good, but they're just like God has a purpose in this trial and all this kind of stuff, you know. And I mean, I could go on, you know what I mean? Praise the Lord. But, you know, God has given us the ability. We have to speak. What's that one song? Savior, He can move the mountains. I'm not singing that song anymore. It's a pretty song. It's a nice song. It says, Savior, He can move the mountains. It says, you are supposed to move the mountains. Now, we know that it's God working through us, okay? But it gives the, it gives the wrong impression, like, like everything's on God's end. God, please move that mountain. I've noticed the people that believe that, never, that not, the mountain never moved, okay? We're supposed to speak to the mountain. In other words, we're supposed to open our mouth and say, now what is a mountain? A mountain to a Jewish person was anything that stood between them and the promise of God. An obstacle. That's a mountain. So we need to open our mouths and we begin to decree and declare and prophesy. Say, nope, it's not going to be that way in my house. Uh, praise the Lord. Now, if you've been used to having every, every time of the year, there's certain times of the year that the flu season or allergy season, you know, now the weather channel's picked up on that, you know, and they, they say it's, you know, here's the pain index and here's what's going on, all this kind of stuff. And people, it's like football season, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> But, you know, you can start to speak to that. If you had, you know, if you've had issues in your body and so forth, if you had a sensitivity in those areas, you can start to change that by the words of your mouth. Instead of saying, oh, I'm allergic to this. Don't say that. Don't say, I'm allergic anymore. Where'd that come from? I think the Holy Ghost just said that. Don't say something like, I'm allergic to this. Now, that doesn't mean you go out and run through a poison ivy patch or something like that, you know. <laughs> just to prove it, but, uh, but begin to say, I, I am not allergic to anything. Yes. Hallelujah. Now, some of you have been saying that for so many doggone years that it's so ingrained in your thinking, it's going to take a little effort and time to, to deal with that. Okay? But you can turn the ship around. Yes. Okay? See, I used to have severe allergies. I used to. In the springtime, oh my goodness. You know, growing up, I'm telling you what, there, I don't know what it was, it was tree pollen or whatever the deal was, but dear God, it was horrible for a couple of months. I mean, my eyes would swell up and itch, and, and I couldn't scratch them enough, and I'm telling you, it's, it's red and just, just nasty, you know. But when I found out from the Word of God in 1982, no, actually, this is 1982, you are blessed. Just came out. <laughs> they want that allergy out the door. Man. Never again. Now I don't know if anybody has anybody here ever had those kind of allergies before with the eyes. I mean, severe redness, and I mean, it was it was like I couldn't scratch it enough to help it. It just was it was terrible, you know. And um, and I tell you what, it was tormenting to me. I was like, oh, man, because I love springtime. I just love that time of year. But to deal with that was like, you know. Well, 
Long story short, I heard a preacher, R.W. Shanebach, preaching when I was just, you know, 21 years old. And he started teaching about being redeemed from the curse and you can speak to your mountain. He's like what I'm sharing with you today. And, and I, was in a, I was in my work truck, my Ford 150 red work truck, drove for a mining company. And I was on uh, Interstate 70 at New Stanton near the Turnpike back before they remodeled all that. You know, you'd go through that little town back in the day. Remember that? And all of a sudden, he's preaching, and all of a sudden it hit me in a good way. It's like, you've been tolerating this. Now you don't have to. Now, you know, R.W. Schambach was a very bold preacher. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean to tell you that, I mean, he, he would scare the devil. I'm telling you, demons. But it was something about the voice of power. He said, the voice of power is on the air today. That was his introduction to his, his message, you know. But I'll tell you what, I received so much from him. And I'm driving down Interstate 70, and I tell you what, the first time in my life, for the very first time in my life, I spoke up. And I said boldly, out loud, I won't do it as loud as I did in that truck cab. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I command these allergies to similar to what I'm saying now. I command you, I curse you, I command you to get out of my life in Jesus' name. Go! You know, and I mean, I felt the anointing. Sometimes you just got to shout. Remember that commercial for those tough stains? You have to shout them out. Amen? There's a voice, there's a, there's a victorious shout sometimes, that, you, especially when you're by yourself. When you're by yourself and said, I am not putting up with this anymore. And God is my eternal witness within 30 seconds. Every one of those symptoms without medication at all, every symptom left my body completely. Bam, just like that. Right in the heart of spring. I was able to enjoy the rest of that spring and many springs since then. Amen. Now, there were a couple of occasions through the years where I would sense that trying to come back on me. And that's what we have to be careful with because the devil can bring... He, he will bring symptoms, like if you weren't healed, and then you'll think, I thought I was healed. You were healed. But he, it's called a counterattack. He will try to bring back a similar symptom, but you just speak to those symptoms and say, oh, no, you don't, in Jesus' name. Amen? And so I felt those symptoms the last few years trying to come back on me. I, st- I stopped. I said, no, no, you don't. You're not, this is not going to happen in my house in Jesus. I'm redeemed from this stuff. Glory to God. And it takes off. Amen. So don't be surprised if you have some returning symptoms that try to come to you. Okay. You know, more people are defeated by a counterattack than anything else. They can come to a service, get healed, get free. I mean to tell you, right, brother? People can get healed, set free in a meeting, a miracle service. And then... A day or two later, symptoms, some symptoms will try to come back. Excuse me, little symptoms. And they might think, well, I thought I was healed of that. I must not have been healed. And when they say that, they just sign the package and they invite it right back in. But smart people, that's us, when a, when a counterattack comes and another symptom comes, do you know this is really important today? Amen? You're privileged to be in the service this morning to hear this. I'm telling you. We don't take it for granted. I'm telling you, because you're not going to get that everywhere out there. <laughs> okay? I'm not saying I'm great. I'm saying the Word of God's great. The Word of God's great. 
So we have to be able to, to rise up and say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's just worship him for a minute here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I thank you for a new, fresh anointing for, for us here today, Father. Thank you, Lord. You know, uh, let me just say it like this, and we'll close with this this morning, that um, I think all of us here, you can bring that down a little bit. I can, it's safe to say, it's safe to say that all of us in this room, this would include all of us, we have put up with certain things in our lives in the last X amount of time. We've allowed things, we've put up with things, myself included. Okay? But there's a roar of the line of Judah that's on the inside of us that wants to rise up on the inside of us. He's in there. He's called the line of the tribe of Judah. And they say in a, in a jungle that when a lion roars, that you can hear it for miles away, like miles. And when that lion roars, all the other, they're the king of the jungle for a reason, right? There's, there's fear and trepidation amongst the other animals in the kingdom. <laughs> Amen. A lion will back down to nobody. Praise God. And the lion of the tribe of Judah is on the inside of us. And I feel led of the Holy Spirit this morning in conclusion as we, before we leave here today to pray for us, for all of us here, all of us, me too, that there's going to be a, that we're going to, now boldness belongs to us. It, it's, it's, it's scriptural to pray for boldness. Paul, Paul said, pray for me that I might open my mouth boldly. Amen? And so we don't just need boldness with other people. Sometimes that's necessary. But primarily we need boldness to face heaven, earth, and hell. And we need, we need to look at things square in the eyes, things that we've been, we've been putting up with, you know. I used that situation last week about Norville Hayes, you know, powerful man of God who just prayed for us a couple of weeks ago in Texas, laid hands on us. Oh, it was that precious experience. And um, my God, the Lord's used him all over the world, you know, nationally, internationally, you know. And, and one day uh, the Lord spoke to his heart in his house. Some of y'all remember this last week. And his, his daughter, Zona, had 25 or 26 massive warts all over her face and her hands and her body. Nasty looking things his teenage daughter. And the Lord spoke to him and said, when are you going to do something about that? Well, he said a little more forcefully than that. The Lord said, when are you going to do something about that? He said, well, what do you mean, Lord? He said, those, those warts. He goes, when are you going to, the Lord said, when are you going to do something about that on her body? It kind of shocked him. And, uh, and then he began to realize, wait a minute. That's my daughter. I have authority in my household. It's my job to go in there and take authority over this, break the power of those things. They don't belong on. And see, up to that point, he was tolerating it. They didn't like it, but they were tolerating it. Okay? And so he, he uh, got along with the Lord about this, you know, and, 
he got his ammunition from the Word of God, and he knew that he was supposed to speak to the mountain. He was supposed to curse those things. That was a mountain, okay? And there was no other way to, in the natural for those things to be healed. There was no other way because she had them for years. And when I heard this testimony, it did something to me. It really it, it, it shook me to my core in a good way that sometimes we just tolerate things when we're not, we're not supposed to be tolerating certain things. We're not, to be, we're not supposed to tolerate sickness and disease in our bodies. Basically, that's what it comes to. We're not supposed to tolerate that. We're not, we're not supposed to tolerate poverty and lack and shortage in our lives. We're not supposed to tolerate that or any of the curse. Jesus was made a curse. To the extent that Jesus became the curse, we became blessed. Amen. Did you know? The Lord said this to me years ago. He said, you know, you know I was the most cursed person on the earth ever. Jesus was the most cursed person on the earth because he he was the sum total of all the curse for every human that ever walked on this earth. To the degree that he took all the curse, we take the blessing. Amen. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's us. Jesus took the curse of sickness so we could take the blessing of health. Jesus took the curse of sin in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus took the curse of poverty in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. He says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he were rich, yet for our sake became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich. When Jesus left heaven, he became poor. You know that. As soon as he left heaven to come to the earth, he became poor. But that poverty was so that we could become rich, wealthy, full supply. That's a blessing. And lastly, Matthew 8, 17, that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Jesus took the curse of sin so we could be righteous. Jesus took the curse of of poverty so we could take his wealth and riches. Jesus took the curse of sickness and disease so we could take his health and healing. Jesus became the curse so that we could become blessed. Amen? So what I'm saying is, I believe the Lord's saying, is we don't want to tolerate any of the curse in our lives. Amen? That's like saying, well, it's okay if there's just a few termites in my house. One or two, nah, no big deal. No big deal. Oh, how better yet, it's okay, there's just a couple of rats in my house. Or snakes, yeah. There's only, oh, there's only two snakes in my house. Really? <laughs> yeah, there's just a couple of rattlesnakes upstairs. No big deal, there could be more. Listen, you're not going to tolerate one snake in that house. Amen? I know a couple of weeks ago, we had one of our screens, I guess, was open. We had some mosquitoes come in our house. Amen? Those little things, as small as they are, will make a 200-pound man dance. <laughs> a little tiny mosquito that's compared to my size, there's no comparison. 
But let me tell you something. I wouldn't say, oh, there's just a few mosquitoes in the house. No big deal. You know? I was out there. Got it. You know? I was out there nailing them suckers. Amen? Because it's a curse. The thing wants to suck some blood out of me. Amen? I need every ounce I have in my body. <laughs> Amen? I'm going to give my blood to some stupid mosquito. <laughs> some blood-sucking mosquito. Well, what I, I say all that to say this. A lot of times we, we put up with the curse in our lives. And I think God's telling us this morning, it's time to rise up. All of us. I'm talking to me too. It's time to rise up. Get bold and say, I am not putting up with this anymore in my life. I'm not going to mess with this because time sometimes can wear on you. Uh, it's been going on for so how long? You know, 13 years now. You know what I'm saying? We need to just get up, rise up on all fours on the inside of us and say, I am not going to be allowing the curse anymore in my house anymore. I'm not going to allow it. Hallelujah. And just get flat bold with the word of God. Boldness. Boldness. Father, I pray for us this morning. I'm going to do, okay, thank you, Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer confession right now. Say, Heavenly Father. Your word says, and it's your will that I become full of boldness. That's your desire for me. I desire that for me. So I'm asking you today, Lord, for a new boldness to face heaven, face earth, and face hell with boldness from the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not tolerate any more of the curse in my life. I'm making a stand. I'm drawing the line in the sand. And the curse will not come to my house anymore. Thank you for new boldness and new strength in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Say, I am bold as a lion in Jesus' name. Now, Proverbs 28, one says the righteous, uh, the unrighteous, they flee. The wicked says the wicked flee when no one's even chasing them. Now, that's chicken right there. You know, they're, they're taking off and no one's chasing them. He says, but the righteous shall be as bold as a lion. The righteous shall be as bold as a lion. Praise God. And the more, the more bold you are towards hell, and towards demons and devils and not the, the curse, the quicker they will leave you. The quicker they will leave you. Amen. Because you know what? My boldness is not based on who I am, what I've done. It's what He did for me. It's what Jesus did for me. That's the whole reason I can be bold. It's not, we're not bragging on ourselves. Paul said, if any man boasts, let him boast in what the Lord has done. We're not boasting on who we are, what we've done. Man, we've done nothing. But it's what Jesus Christ did for us. It's a big deal. Amen, Amen Sister Lynn. It's what Jesus Christ did for us that matters. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Lord. Some of you are never going to be the same again. 